You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Morning, church. How are y'all? That's what I'm talking about. Got the little amen corner over here in the front left. The rest of y'all got to keep up, okay? I'm just telling you. you put a lot of pressure on y'all. Um, good morning. Good to, good to see you. Uh, excited about sharing God's word with you this morning. Second in a series called Games We Play. Last Sunday, Kenny uh, brought the, the first message, and he looked at primarily the game of life. This morning, we are going to focus on a game called Snakes and Ladders. Be honest. How many of you have heard snakes and ladders? Four. How many? What about shoots and ladders? Anybody heard shoots and ladders? Okay. Almost exactly the same game. They took the snakes out because apparently it was offensive. Uh, I don't know. It was, they took the snakes out and put some shoots in. I want to give you the breakdown of how the game operates. Um, 100 squares on the game board. You, obviously, you see the snakes. You see the ladders. You have a game piece, the person who rolls, you have four players, the person who rolls the, the highest number on the die gets to go first. The object of the game is to get to square 100 first by avoiding the snakes. If you hit the bottom of the ladder, then you get to shoot to the top where the ladder ends. If you hit the head of the snake, then you have to go all the way back down to where the tail of the snake is. Obviously, you're trying to avoid the snakes. You're trying to hit the ladders, and the first one to get to the hundred wins. Okay? Not a lot of graphics, not a lot of moving parts. Um, some may today call that a little boring. Well, it's been around for a long time. It was first, I guess, recorded to be known in the UK in the late 1800s. So this game's been around for a minute, a little bit longer um, than PlayStation or anything like that. So anyway, this is the game, and uh, the the kind of the context for the message today is this game was based on um, vices and virtues. Two negative or negative characteristics or qualities for the vi- that represent the vices, and then obviously the virtues represent the good qualities of life, the good characteristics that we have in our lives. And so the passage that we're going to look at today, uh, I believe, does a really good job of showing the life of Peter in these two virtues, virtues that we're going or vices that we're going to look at today, and then two examples of some. Uh, some qualities in his life that uh, we need to implore into our own. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 22. We're going to be looking at a familiar passage, and it's a little bit, maybe a little bit awkward because it, it comes right right before the crucifixion. And so you may think, well, what, what in the world are we preaching on this, this passage for? But I, again, I believe it does a really good job of showing some misconceptions that Peter had that maybe that we can uh, identify with and then some virtues that that he d- demonstrated that we can hang on to as well. So Luke chapter 22, we're starting in verse 31 and we're going to go through verse 34. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied in verse 33, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. 
And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Well, oh, my goodness. You know, how many, um, you know, when you hear your name called twice, typically uh, there's something going on and it's not good. Okay. Or you hear your first and your middle name when mom calls, you know, you're in trouble. Jesus goes up to Peter. They've just finished the Lord's Supper. He's broken the bread. He's given the wine. And then he goes up to Peter and he, and he starts and he says, Simon, Simon, I got something. I got something for you. And so he tells Simon, says, listen, says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Satan has asked to come into your life to do something in your life. And Jesus tells him something that, that for me would be a little bit scary. Jesus says, I prayed for you. I prayed that it goes well for you. And then he tells him, follows up, and he says, when you've turned back, which implies that he's going to turn away, it says, when you turn back, I want you to strengthen your brothers. And so you look at this passage and you hear some things. Obviously, there are some things that, that stick out to you. Why in the world is, why would Satan want to sift Peter? Why would God allow Peter to be sifted? Because, I mean, Peter's been the right hand for Jesus. He's been there through the entire time. If there's somebody that's close you feel like that it would be Peter, maybe James and John. And so you're, you may be thinking, man, why is he allowing this to happen? And we're hopefully look at this and maybe give you some ideas on why some, some of those kind of things happen. And so four points that we're going to look at today. Again, the first two, we're going to be looking at some vices, those, those negative characteristics, those things that maybe we need to work on in our own lives. The very first one is that uh, sometimes I think in life we have some unrealistic expectations. I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but when I was a teenager, I had this kind of pie-in-the-sky dream of what life was going to be like. By the time I was 50, I was going to be a millionaire. I was going to be living on a lake and a big house and a boat and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's that hasn't happened, okay? So just... I don't know if that's happened for y'all. If it did, God bless you. That's awesome. Fantastic. That's my grandson making a lot of noise back there. All right. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Preach it. All right. Um, and so some of us have some unrealistic expectations in life, maybe um, where we thought we would be at this particular juncture in life, the house that we would live in, the kind of cars that we drive, married, 2.3 kids and a dog, whatever it is, we have these ideas of what life is going to be like. I believe uh, in this particular passage, Peter had some ideas of what he thought life was going to be like. Jesus t told him, he says, listen, you're, you're about to be tested and you're about to be sifted like wheat uh, by Satan. And then Peter says something in response to, to Jesus. And he says, listen, Jesus, you can send him. He can do whatever he wants to do. But what does Peter say? He says, I'm willing to go to prison. I'm even willing to die for you. And so I, I really believe, and we know the rest of the story. We know what happens later that night. Jesus gets arrested. Peter is following him around, and he's by the fire, and, and people ask him, do you know him? Are you with him? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I believe with all my heart that Peter, when he made that statement to Jesus in the upper room, he really believed that he would not fail Jesus. I really believe that. 
Uh, I can't tell you how many times in my own life where I've been, I've been praying, dealing with a particular issue in my own life or a situation or with a relationship or whatever, and, and, and saying to God, God, I really want to do what you want me to do. I really want to be obedient. And again, if you're like me, and I believe that, that most everybody in this room, we kind of go through those times where we can kind of echo Paul's words, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Happens all the time. And so, church, what I, what I want us to really kind of hear this morning is that I believe that we need to, to look at life with some realistic lenses. We need to look at life and understand that there are going to be some some snakes. There are going to be some obstacles that are going to come our way. Not, and sometimes we never see them, and they're just, they, they blindside us, and we have to deal with it sometimes by our, our own actions, our own sinfulness. We invite those those pitfalls, those traps, those obstacles into our lives. And so we need to understand that life is, can be difficult. Life can be a struggle. And, and God is okay with it. Okay, and this is one of those things where I think a lot of people in church really have a hard time kind of embracing the idea that God would allow a difficult thing to come into my life. We see this particular passage where Jesus tells Peter specifically, listen, you're about to go through a severe test. And he tells them eyeball to eyeball. He says, and you're going to fail. He says, when you turn back, which means that you've turned away from me, when you turn back, I, I want to use you. I, uh, there's something that I have for you. And so, church, I want us to understand that life can be difficult. It's not impossible. Scripture tells us that, that, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Scripture tells us that we are more than conquerors in Christ, that we are a new creation. All these things is an encouragement to us to, to remind us that, that even though life is going to be difficult, Jesus says that I have come to give you hope and I have overcome the world. And so that's, those are the things that we need to remember, that we need to hang our hat on. And so when we, when we don't have... What we think is the wisdom to be able to, to handle a situation that we're going through. Scripture tells us in James chapter 1 verse 5, it says, ask God for wisdom. And guess what he's going to do, church? He's going to give it to you. And not only is he going to give it to you, he's going to give it to you generously. And he's going to do it without finding fault in your life. You know, sometimes in my life where I'm, I'm sitting there praying and I'm going through a situation and I ask God for something or I ask God for some advice or some wisdom. And sometimes my thought is that God is thinking, Man, I thought you'd be past this by now. I thought that you would kind of have checked this box. You're at this level. You shouldn't have to worry about the things you've had to do, you've dealt with for a, a lot of years. Listen, we are all one step away from destruction. We are all one step away from making some really bad choices. And so James 1 says, if you, if you need wisdom, ask, and he'll give it to you, and he'll give it to you generously. And so one of the first obstacles, one of the first vices that I, I see that Peter had is that he kind of had an unrealistic expectation in his own life. And so I want, you to, I want to challenge you to understand that sometimes you may have some unrealistic expectations on how you're going to respond. With that, church, I need you to understand that you need some people around you that can, that can encourage you. 
You need some people in your life that are praying for you. And, and I'm not talking about just when you send them a text or an email or call them and say, hey, pray for me. I'm talking about some people that are praying down the heavens on your behalf. You need to have people in your life that are, are fighting the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that you can't see. The principalities are there. You, we need people. You need people in your life that are praying diligently for you. You need to be praying for those people in your life as well, for your kids, for your loved ones, for your spouse, your grandkids. Man, prayer does some amazing things. When you intercede on their behalf, God can do some miraculous things. Even though Jesus said, I'm praying for you, Peter, you're still about to go through it. And there's a purpose behind that. All right. Second thing, the second advice that I want us to look at this morning that I think that, or, um, that, that Peter dealt with is that sometimes we ignore the obvious warnings that, that, that were sent our way. How many of you have made a mistake before? Also called sin. Okay. Everybody should have raised their hand. Some of us can raise like two and a foot and just whatever. Okay. We, we've been down that road a bunch. So we, but we've all... We all made mistakes. We've all sinned. Scripture says that's called falling short of the glory of God. And so that separates us from, from him. Okay, it separates that sin separates us from, from having a relationship with God. Until we recognize that we need forgiveness, we invite him into our heart. But the thing that I want us to, to remember is when we made those mistakes, when we, when we sinned in our life, probably you felt something down in your soul. You heard something, a little buzz going off in your head, a, a ringing in your ear, something, a little voice, a little birdie, whatever it is that you want to call it, saying, man, don't do that. Don't go there. Any, anybody hear that? Everybody hear that before? All right. Peter didn't have to have the little birdie in his ear saying, hey, don't go there, don't, go do, don't do that. He had Jesus who told him, to his face, saying, hey, you're about to deny me three times. And so those of you that think that, that man, you and God are like this, and, and you're going you're gonna to listen to all those warning signs, I, if I were in Peter's shoes, I would have thought that I would have said, you know what, Jesus, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I understand what you're saying, and I'm going to do whatever I can to not do what you just said that I'm probably about to do, okay? And so I'm, I'm, I'm locking myself in a room someplace. I'm having my guys hang out with me, and they're going to not let me leave. They're not going to let me go do whatever it is. I'm going to stay where I'm not going to deny you three times. But it doesn't happen. And so we have to make sure that we are heeding, that we're paying attention to those warning signs those bells and those whistles in our life that i believe are are god ordained to keep us from doing some things that we shouldn't be doing scripture tells us that he will give us a way of escape from those temptations from those struggles in, in life and part of the way that he does that church is he does that with you he does that with you talking to a friend because you see something in their life that they shouldn't be doing he does that with parents talking to their children, saying, listen, I know that you don't think I'm cool anymore. I know that, that you don't think I have any idea what I'm doing on this planet anymore. But I see things in your life that scare me. I see things in your life 
that aren't good. And so I'm, I'm trying to give you some advice. I'm trying to give you some, some truth that will help you down the road. And so it's important for us to, to re- realize that we, we need people in our life to be able to speak truth in, in, into our lives. It's one thing for people who love you to be able to speak truth into your life. It's another thing for you to be able to hear that and then act on it. Peter heard with his own ears what Jesus says, or what he said, and still chose to ignore it and did what he thought that he would never, ever, ever do. One of the things I think is beautiful with our relationship with God is that we have direct access to him. We don't have to have a special code. We don't have to have a special email address. We don't have to have permission from your pastor. You don't have to have whatever it is. You fall on your knees. You're driving in your car. You're sitting at your desk at work. Whatever it is, you have direct line communication with the creator of the universe. Hebrews chapter 4 says that we have a high priest who understands everything that we've gone through everything that we've gone through and that he will give you mercy and grace. And so he loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants you to do the right thing. He wants you to make wise decisions and he will give you that strength. Philippians 4.13 says that, that he wants you to be obedient. And so this idea of ignoring the warnings is not something that we have to do. We can hear those things I mean, one of those things mama's telling their kids not to touch the hot stove. Don't play in the street. Don't do this. Don't do that. After a while, you kind of realize, hey, they have my best interest at heart, so I'm going to listen to that. Man, God has the exact same thing for you. He wants you to live a life of victory. He wants you to live a life of obedience because it's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for your family long term. So we see two vices here that Peter had to deal with. I also want to see some things, that, some virtues, some positive qualities that I, I believe that Peter had that we can implement into our own lives as well. And that, the third one that I want you to see is that I believe that, that Peter was content, that we have, need to have a feeling uh, of being content in our lives. Like I said from, from uh, just a few moments ago, I really believe that Peter meant what he said. Listen, I'm willing to die for you, willing to go to prison for you. The, the issue is that our want-tos end up changing into what did I do? Because of whatever reason it is, our, our lack of faith, uh, our attention to being taken off of uh, our relationship with God, whatever it is, it takes us from, from being content in our relationship with him to being focused on something that's going to lead us away from him. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11, Paul says, I've learned to be content in all situations. There's an L word, a second word in that verse, and it's called learned. Okay? So what do you think, what do you think it takes for you to learn to be content? There's going to be some times that you're not going to get what you want. There's going to be some times that you're going to see something that somebody else has and you're going to say, good for them. God bless them. Isn't that awesome? And be sincere. Okay. It's one of those things where we see what people have and, and it's natural for us to want the nice, new, shiny things. But Paul is saying, listen, I, I know what it's like to have a bunch. I know what it's like to have little. I know what it's like to, to be hungry. I know what it's like to be full. I've learned to be content. And church, 
I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that um, that it's a bad thing for you to want a new house and a newer car and the next new outfit or whatever it is. But I also want us to see is that, man, God wants us to want him more than anything else. And when Jesus told Peter that night, he says, I've prayed for you, Peter, that you may not lose faith. I prayed for you. I, I, I desire to have a relationship with you. And church, I really believe with all my heart. Again, I told you I had these expectations in life from a teenager, what I would be, what, would, what my life would look like at 50. And it's not what I had envisioned. But your perspective changes the closer you get with the Lord. You realize that those things aren't nearly as important as you thought they once were. Because we're not promised tomorrow. There are people that I went to high school with that are no longer here. And for some of you saying, well, you're old, dude. I mean, of course I'm not going to be here anymore, okay? I don't feel like I'm that old, okay? doesn't mean I'm not old. I just don't feel like I'm that old. But it's one of those things, life is precious. It's, it's tender, and we're not promised tomorrow. And so I really encourage you to learn to, to, to focus on what you do have and thank God for what you do have and not what you don't have. Makes sense? G, Peter wanted to be close to Jesus. He fought to be close to Jesus. That night when Jesus was arrested, remember what he did? Took out a knife. He said, listen, I'm, I'm willing to prove Jesus... I'm backing up my words. I said, I'm willing to die for you. Took out a, a knife and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he was willing to prove that he was willing to go to jail and to go to prison and to die, maybe potentially die because of his relationship with Jesus. He was willing to do those things. And so there's, but something happened when it got real. When the struggle became real, Jesus was arrested, was taken away. All the disciples fled. Peter followed Jesus, and again, we know the story that he denied him, he denied him, he denied him. So something happened when life got real, when you hit the, the, the snakes, when you hit the part of the game of life where it doesn't feel good, where you're not getting what you want, then we tend to revert back and do what we used to do. And God said, listen, I've, I've called you for something bigger and greater than what you used to do. So that brings us to the, the next point that I want to share. Let me, hang on before I, before I go there, learning to be content. Um, there's a, a time in my life where I was on staff at a church in San Antonio, and our pastor at the time had asked us to, to fast, to choose a day and to fast. And um, I chose... Uh, I think it was Tuesdays. I'm not real sure what, can't remember what day it was. But I'm, I'm headed, I'm in San Antonio. I'm headed down to the south part of, of San Antonio to a hospital called Wilford Hall. Maybe some of you are familiar with that. It's, uh, we were on the northeast side of San Antonio. I'm driving to the southwest side of San Antonio, and it's about noon. And I don't know what it is, but when you're hungry, 
Every sign on the side of the road seems to be glitter and flashing and your, your stomach is making all these crazy sounds. And so whether it was me steering my vehicle onto the feeder road or if it was Satan steering my, my truck to the, to the feeder road and then into the lane at Walmart and then to the drive through and these words that came out of my mouth. Number three, no onions, extra fry, whatever, okay, Dr. Pepper. And so I do all this, and I'm in, in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, you're fasting. You're fasting today. You're supposed to be fasting today as I get my wallet out, and I'm paying for this, and thank you. And, and so I pull out of McDonald's, and I get it back onto the feeder road, and I come to a stoplight. And the, the, hot, the interstate is right above but guess who's on the corner at that light? A guy saying, I'm hungry. Okay, that's all he said. It didn't say, I want money. It just said, I'm hungry. And something, something clicked here and something clicked here. And so for you teenagers who don't know what this is, okay, this is rolling down a window, okay? Not just push a button like you do now these days. So I rolled down this window, and I grabbed my quarter pounder with cheese, no onions in this fry, and I handed it to him. I took my Dr. Pepper, and I handed it to him, and I said, God bless you, and I took off. And so there were some, and I don't say that to, 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 to get attaboys or whatever, but it was one of those things where I really believe that there are some things that we really want to do. That when it gets real, the hunger gets real, the pain gets real, the frustration gets real, that we, we don't do what we want to do. Okay? And so we have to have, we really need people in our lives that can come around us and say, you know what? I know you're hungry, man, but you can do this. I know that you're in pain, lady, but I know that you can do this. And so we need this right here. We need people in our lives that can come around to sure us up, to support us, to encourage us. Sometimes a little swift kick in the, in the rear when we need that. But we need people to help us learn to what it means to be content. Listen, listen what, look what you have. Not, don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. Last thing I want us to look at. And this is a beautiful, one of these, one of these moments when you're kind of planning a, a message and you're praying through about what, what you want to say. This, this particular thing right here just kind of jumped off the page at me and it just touched my heart because this is an image of God to each one of you in this room that I want you to hear. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. The, the, the quality that I, that, that Jesus has for each one of us that Peter had is there needs to be an expectation that God wants to use you. God wants to do something in your life to use you to touch somebody in your, in your, that's a neighbor, that's in your community, that's in your workplace, your workout facility, whatever it is, wherever you're at, God wants to use you. you say, well, Mike, how in the world does he want to use me? I don't have any kind of specialized training. I don't have this education. I don't have experience. I don't have whatever it is. Listen, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. God tells the believers that they are to 
make disciples. They're to go, therefore, make disciples to the, to the ends of the earth, to baptize, teach people all that I've commanded you. And he didn't say it's just for the pastors to do that. He didn't say it's just for the Sunday school teachers to do that. He didn't say it's just for the small group leaders to do that. He's called us to do that. Okay? This particular passage, what does Jesus tell Peter? He says, after you have turned back, I want you to strengthen my brothers. And so he knew that Peter was his guy. He knew that Peter was going to make a mistake. Peter was going to make the mistake of all mistakes. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. And the very last time that he said he didn't know Jesus, I don't blankety blank blank know Jesus. Scripture says that he cursed. And said, listen, I don't know who this guy is that you're talking about. Jesus knew that he was going to do that and still said, hey, I have something for you. Turn over to John chapter 21 real quick. The next book, towards the end of the end of the book of John, and I want you to see this particular encounter. This is the encounter where the disciples have gone back. We just talked about this. You kind of go back when it gets real, the pain gets real, the hurt gets real. You kind of go back and used to do, maybe some of us are doing things that we know are absolutely wrong, um, but we go back and we do what's comfortable. The disciples did the exact same thing. They go back to fishing. Peter, James, and John are on the boat. They're fishing. They see a guy on the shore, and the guy on the shore, who's Jesus, says, Hey, have you caught anything? And they go, No, we haven't caught anything. He says, Well, drop your nets on the other side of the boat. They did that. They caught the fish. John immediately knows what's up. He knows who it is. He tells Peter, He says, Listen, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. Peter puts his outer robe back on, dives in, swims to Jesus, and then that starts that dialogue this correspondence between the between peter and jesus and jesus asks him do you love me and peter says i love you and there's a lot more to that story it's a whole nother sermon but then jesus says do you love me and peter says i love you third time jesus asked peter do you love me and he goes lord you know that i love you that's kind of where we pick up in um verse middle of verse 17 in John chapter 21, it says, Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you don't want to go. In verse 19, Jesus says, said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. And this is what I want you to hear right here. Don't miss this. In the verse 19, then he said to Peter, Follow me. Man. I don't know if that, that does to you what it does for me. After Peter did what he did, and Jesus knew that he was going to do that, he says, I got something for you. I got a job for you. I have a responsibility for you. Not only are you to strengthen the brothers that were in that room with you that night, he goes, but I got something global plan for you and we know that when simon means uh, pebble but when when jesus changed peter's name from simon to peter he says listen says your name now means rock and on this church on your on on this rock i'm going to build my church jesus knew that peter was going to be the 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 springboard for the gospel being spread throughout the entire world peter started with there and then went to then went to paul to where we're at today. So what does that got to do with me? What it has to, to do with you is that God has something planned for you. He wants 
to use you. So what, he doesn't know my past. Well, he does know your past. Well, he doesn't know what I did last night. He does know what you did last night, last week, last year. God wants to use you. He wants to use you to make his name great. He wants to use you to reach your neighbor. He wants to use you to, to reach the person in the cubicle next to you at work. He wants, he wants to use you to reach your kids. He wants you to use you to reach your grandkids. He wants to use you to reach your spouse. Whatever, whoever it is, God wants and expects something from you. How does that happen? How does, how does a God of the universe who speaks light into existence want to use somebody who's done all the terrible things I've done? It's called grace and it's called mercy. Man, it's called grace and it's called mercy. And it's called, it's calling, it's a calling on you for, for you to have a heart that's ready and willing to be used for God. With all the mistakes, with all the baggage, with all the bad names you've been called, with all the, the history that you have in your life. Listen, God says, I love you. It's forgiven. Love me and do what I've called you to do. And I can do some amazing things in your life. We have these unrealistic expectations in life. Things don't go the way that we planned. For a long time, we've ignored all the things that God's been shouting from the rooftop saying, please don't do that. Please don't go there. God is saying, learn to be content with me. Learn just to be okay with me. What's the goal in life, church? What's the goal for eternity? For us to, to go to heaven, to spend all of eternity with him, right? That's, that's, that's the end goal, right? Think about this just for a second. Sometimes we have a hard time setting in an hour service, worshiping God. But you really want to go somewhere where you're going to spend all of eternity worshiping God. So it's about perspective. It's about saying, hey, is my heart where it needs to be? Is my perspective where it needs to be focusing on a God for all of eternity when I have a hard time focusing on a God in an hour of service on a Sunday morning? It's a gut check. It's learning to be content, learning to allow God to have complete control of your heart. And then when he does that, Expect that he's going to do something mighty in your life. Expect that he's going to do something miraculous in your life. He's going to reach your kids. He's going to reach your spouse. He's going to reach your neighbors through you if you allow him to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and for your grace. God, we thank you for uh, the life of Peter and his boldness and these emphatic statements that he made. And he says, Lord, I'll, I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. And knowing that that he was gonna he was gonna run knowing that he was gonna deny you three times you still embraced him you still washed his feet that night you you reconciled the relationship that you had with him on the beach that morning saying peter do you love me do you love me do you love me and then you said follow me again follow me forget the stuff in the past I have something fantastic for you. 
Church, I pray that as we come before God right now, I pray that if there's something that's going on in your heart, something that that you have an unrealistic expectation about, man, my spouse isn't who I thought they would be, and my kids aren't doing what I thought they would be doing, my job isn't what I thought it would be, and I'm not getting the salary that I think I should, I deserve. All the things that Satan wants to to send in our lives to distract us from being content with you, being content in the situation that we're in until you move, until you make a change in our lives. Father, use us in ways we never thought possible. Help us to, to reach our neighbor. Help us to reach our family for your love and for your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.